0: You are listening to the podcasts of Cedar Hills Community Church in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. We're going to begin a series on the book of Ephesians today, and uh, over the next couple months, we're going to go verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the book. I hope you can join us for all of those. Definitely wish you were all here in person, but thank you for joining us online. So, my extended family was supposed to take a family reunion last weekend in Michigan in honor of my mother's 90th birthday, but of course that didn't happen. Instead, we did what everyone is doing, and that is we had a Zoom union. So we spent several hours together by virtual family sharing memories and updates about our family. And one of the memories that came to my mind after we met was a memory about dinner time. So we always had meals together, um, and there was one meal in particular that stood out to me. I was young, I was probably six, and I remember that we were having pulled pork sandwiches. And after each child was served their little um, sandwich, a, a small little pile of meat on a little bun, I watched my father pile pork on a bun until he had this giant pork sandwich. And I have no idea what came over me in this moment, but I was struck by the injustice of it all that my dad could get this giant sandwich while well, we had to eat these little buns. And so in righteous indignation, I rose up in protest of what my dad was doing. I, and like I said, I have no idea what I was thinking when I did this, but I called him out for his unfairness. And I, it was like a lament of biblical proportions. I went on and on and on about why would he get so much more than the rest of us and all of this and my dad obviously under deep conviction of the holy spirit asked me if i wanted his sandwich and of course i did and so we switched plates and when i took the lid off my newly acquired sandwich i saw this massive serving of gristle and fat my bun was piled with all the barely edible parts of the pig it it just looked gross And so trying to recover, I blurted out, just kidding, and I handed the plate back to my dad, and he looked me in the eye, and he said, you are going to eat that whole sandwich. I took one bite, and I burst into tears. I had enough. I had enough of that gross meat. I had enough of being in the family spotlight. I had enough embarrassment. I just had enough. Have you ever had that feeling? You want to say, Uncle, uh, beg for mercy, go back to normal. I think this is a feeling we get when we sometimes face uh, tough times, pain, uncertainty, failure, trauma. It doesn't take us long before we say, Enough is enough. I'm wondering if anyone's had enough of COVID 19 yet. Enough COVID-19 news and announcements, enough COVID-19 cancellations, enough COVID-19 isolation. You want to say enough is enough. So our limited capacity for the negative causes us often to throw in the towel early. We're we're done. We've had it. But I'm wondering today about our capacity for good. Can we ever have enough of a good thing? Or maybe as we say sometimes Too much of a good thing. Uh, Too much ice cream. Too much Netflix. Too much sleep. Too much wisdom. Too much love. How about that? Have you ever thought, enough is enough already. Stop loving me. As I was reading through Ephesians chapter 1 this week, it raised the question, what does enough love look like The writer of this book, the apostle Paul, explains our calling and identity as followers of Jesus, and he dives right into it, talking about how God has called us to this amazing challenge before the creation of the world. This big, lofty language that we are called to accomplish God's purposes, to defeat evil, to overcome the powers that are threatening to destroy God's plan and God's purposes. He calls us to set right what is wrong by loving our neighbors. And we get encouragement throughout this book that says we can do it. And the key to our identity and the key to our success in following God's plan is this. We are loved. It only takes a couple of verses before Paul brings up love, and then he mentions it 17 times in short in six short chapters. So jump back into Ephesians 1. If you've got your Bible, you can read along with me. Look again at verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love, He predestined us for the adoption through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and will. We are loved and because we are loved we're also chosen we are the kind of people who god chooses in love god chooses us before the creation of the world to be daughters and sons chosen because it was god's good pleasure chosen to receive every spiritual blessing in christ usually when we choose people We choose them based on ability or talent or personality. So the best athletes are chosen to be on the team. And the best of the best get drafted in the first round. The gifted communicator is chosen to be the one to make the speech. The insider is chosen to be the homecoming king or queen. Have you ever not been chosen you've been the one left standing when everyone else has been selected no place for you on the team no place for you at the lunch table no place for you in the inner circle i know what it's like i have had times in my life when i was chosen last and then you become kind of like the the mercy pick i guess i'm gonna take that one he's the last one left i've also had times when I have not been chosen at all and it's no fun. I wonder if God chooses that way and I'm thankful to discover immediately that God does not choose that way. From the beginning of the story of God's people, we read about how God chooses. Listen to this. This is from Deuteronomy chapter 7. It's about God choosing. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God, The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be His people, His treasured possession. The Lord did not set His affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples, but it was because the Lord loved you. We are the kind of people who God chooses, not because we're strong or courageous because we are wise, or even because we are good. We are the kind of people that God chooses because God loves us. And we've been chosen to have redemption through the blood of Christ, chosen to receive the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished upon us, chosen for God's good pleasure and his good purpose, chosen to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ, chosen by the one who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, chosen for lavish love and blessing. Does it make you want to say, uncle? Uh, Enough already? Enough blessing? Enough love? I don't think so. We are the kind of people God chooses because God loves us, and because God loves us, He also wants to set us free. We are the kind of people who God sets free. Here's a rereading of some of these verses from Ephesians 1 from the Message Translation. This is starting with verse 7. Um, He teases out some of the implications of what it means for us to be chosen by God. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross, we are free people. Free of penalties and punishment chalked up by our misdeeds, and not just barely free either, abundantly free. He thought of everything, provided for everything we could possibly need. Sinners need forgiveness, and we are sinners. Can we ever get enough forgiveness, enough freedom from judgment, enough freedom from penalties, enough freedom from punishment, enough freedom? Ever have that temptation to say, enough freedom already? We are absolutely free because God loves us. And I don't know how you feel about that, but it makes me feel like a poem. I've been fascinated lately by love poems and in fact, Jill, earlier this week, I sent Mary a love poem about candy bars. I'll have to send you a version of that. It's, it's a great poem. Here's a love poem about the depths of love called My One-Eyed Love by Andrew Jefferson. I've fallen in love, I don't know why, I've fallen in love with a girl with one eye. I knew from the start it was plain to see that this wonderful girl had an eye out for me. Of eyes at the moment, she hasn't full quota, But that doesn't change things one iota. And she told me her final decision, she will marry me in spite of her vision. I'll marry my true love who's gentle and kind and thus prove to everyone that love's not quite blind. So I don't know if that works for you or not as a love poem. Here is a love poem about God's love for us. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. He will not always accuse nor harbor His anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities for as high as the heavens are above the earth so great is his love for those who fear him as far as the east is from the west so far has he removed our transgressions from us. These poems of love tell us that we are a special kind of people. We're a people who are chosen by God, we're a people who are set free by God, and we're a people who love God. These things happen because of God's loving kindness, God's steadfast love, God's grace and compassion. Can you ever get enough of that? One final implication for this morning about this from Ephesians 1, we are also the kind of people that God grows so that we understand love more and more. Paul, in this little letter, is praying constantly for the people in Ephesus, and he's praying that they will grow in wisdom and understanding of God's love. Jump back to chapter 1 and down to verse 17. Here's Paul's prayer. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. Paul wants these people to know God and to know his power, to know his good purposes revealed in Jesus, because as they get to know God better, they understand God's love for them more deeply. Paul also wants us to know God better. He wants us to gain knowledge and understanding of God's love. Can we ever get enough of that wisdom and understanding? Now, our identity matters a lot, um, I was once identified as my father's son by the way that I walked. And I'm not kidding. This is a, a total stranger came up to me on the street and said to me, you must be the son of Henry Landhuis. And when I inquired how they would know this, it wasn't because I looked like my dad. They said, it's because you walk just like Henry Landhuis walks. Now, our identity is shaped and formed by our family, by our parents. And as we get older, we see it more and more. Maybe we don't always want to admit it, but we start to behave and act and think and do things just like our parents did them. This is part of our shaping, our molding as uh, our identity. You you can't separate it from your family. Paul is talking to the people in the church of Ephesus, and he's saying, "You're, you're part of a family. You're part of a community. You have a father. And he tells the church in Ephesus how they should behave. But before he gets to that, he tells them all about their Heavenly Father. He describes to them in detail who this God is and what he does. He makes it clear that we are the kind of people who know God, and that shapes us. It shapes who we are and how we live. It defines our identity At the end of chapter 3 in Ephesians, Paul is praying again. Here's another sample of his prayer. Paul says, I kneel before the Father and I pray that out of His glorious riches He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love May have power together with all of God's people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses all knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. It's an invitation for us to live out our identity. Pastor Tim Keller made some interesting observations about Paul's prayers especially for the church in Ephesus. And this is what he says. He says, When Paul prays for the Ephesian church, he does not pray for an improvement in their external circumstances. Rather, Paul prays for God to grant them a profound internal knowledge of the depths of God's love. This is what Paul wants for them more than anything. This is what he wants for us. That we would know at a very deep level, at the core of who we are, about God's love and that we are loved and that because we are loved, we are chosen, we are set free, and we continue to grow in wisdom and understanding. Can we ever get enough of that love? So over the next couple of months, we're going to dig more deeply into this and and study the whole book. Um, We'll explore our identity as people and people who are loved and people who belong and people who serve. And if you want to get a jump start on that, maybe start some study yourself, I'd like to recommend that maybe this week you read the whole book of Ephesians. It's just six chapters. You can maybe read it every day. Um, But between now and next Sunday, uh, you don't need me to explain it. You read the book of Ephesians, and then the Spirit will give you wisdom and understanding. That's the prayer that we just heard. You'll grow to understand it. So I uh, recommend that as uh, one step. Another next step would be to use the Right Now Media. We provided this resource as a way to maybe help weather this pandemic. There's some great resources on Right Now Media, both on the topic of identity and to study the book of Ephesians. And so go check it out. There's a lot of options for you. I'm going to recommend two two different ones. One, for the identity study, I recommend Brody Jesperson and the study that's called Gospel Identity. So you can check that out and see if that's helpful for you. For the study of the book of Ephesians, I recommend the study Together. This one's a little longer. It's kind of got daily readings, but they're short little daily um, readings and commentary about the book of Ephesians. So you can do these alone, you can do them together with your family, you can maybe do them online with somebody, friends or something like that too, so check those out on RightNow Media. And then the third next step is this, we are the kind of people God chooses to love so that we can love other people. So the question is, is there anybody you know who needs loved? Anyone? Come to mind. Then go love them. That's your next step. Maybe a little homework to work on this week. Go love somebody. So back to my story about my uh, gross, fatty pork sandwich. After I sat there defeated in what had just happened, staring this gristly, fatty, disgusting sandwich down, I faced my foolishness and I... I started crying. And then my dad reached across the table and he switched our sandwiches back. He gave me my little sandwich and he took his big fat gross sandwich back. And I remember this particular meal because I felt loved. I remember feeling deep, Relief, and that I was loved in spite of my foolishness. And I always knew that my dad loved me. He did everything a dad of his generation was supposed to do. He got up early and he worked long hours and he provided a nice home for us and clothes and good food. He gave us buzz haircuts in the summer and played catch with us in the backyard. And he loved my mother. He was not a perfect dad, but he loved me And that day, he gave me the best sandwich, and he ate the worst. And that's the day I realized people can never get enough love. This is my prayer for you. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all God's people to grasp how wide and how long, and how high, and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love, which surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled to the full measure of God's goodness. Lord God, we pray today that you would continue the good work that you've started in us, that your Holy Spirit would continue to awaken us to the truths of your word, And we give you our praise and thanks, God, for your love and for for revealing that love to us through the gift of your Son, our Savior, in whose name we pray. Amen. We pray you are blessed by today's message from Cedar Hills Community Church. For more information about our church or how to support our ministry, visit www.cedarhillscr.org.